Hey, I'm Barbara Paulson, and this is Midway. And in this episode, I'll be telling you a story about a woman named Donna. Hello, my name is Donna Camille Davis. A few years ago, the story of Donna's life read like a midlife success story. After running her own business for 17 years, she switched careers to pursue her dream job. She got certified as a life coach. She traveled the world with her boyfriend, spent time with her daughter and grandkids. She loved cooking for friends. And she learned to forage for wild mushrooms in the woods. She just kept pushing herself to take on new challenges. I do like to take some risks, obviously. Um, I consider myself to be an adventurous person. I mean, I learned how to ride a motorcycle when I was like in my 50s. So I guess that does make me a high risk taker. Donna's life was going great until a series of life-threatening events changed everything. First, she almost died of liver failure. Then she almost died of blood poisoning. And a few months later, she got into a motorcycle accident. It was my year of death. She was like, is the universe trying to tell me something? Holy moly, you know, this has been one crazy year. It's been one crazy year. Okay, I got to really reevaluate what the heck I'm doing in my life. And I had to kind of pull back from that and reevaluate how am I doing my business? Who am I doing it for? You know, why am I doing this? From my home studio in Washington, D.C., this is Midway, a show about navigating midlife. And today's episode is about when a midlife transition doesn't go exactly as planned. It's about the importance of getting out of your comfort zone and taking risks, even if you end up making a mistake. And it's about how to recover after you take a wrong turn. Donna's year of death began on a November day a few years back, when she and her boyfriend got in their car and drove north from their home in San Francisco. So if you can imagine, on the coast of Northern California, you've got some fog, things are dewy, everything smells like the earth, feels like you, you're going to run into some elves and fairies up there. Donna says there was magic in the air. We were finding the most amazing mushrooms. There, I think we counted seven different types of varieties of edible mushrooms from hedgehogs, chanterelles, trumpets, black trumpets, silhouettes. So those are mushrooms you're not likely to find in your grocery store because they're wild. Unlike, say, you know, portobellos or oyster mushrooms, we haven't figured out how to farm them. So if you want to eat them, and lots of people do because they've got way more mushroomy flavor than standard mushrooms, You've got to go into the forest and find them for yourself. Not everybody can do this, so there's a special quality to it. What do you mean, not everybody can do it? Well, not everybody would do it. Not everybody has the confidence to go out there and forage for mushrooms, know what they're looking for. If you don't know what you're doing, there's a chance you could die. It's just a a different breed of person, let me put it that way, that would go and do that, okay? Donna was that different breed of person. I definitely do feel confident. I don't doubt myself. Donna knew what she was doing. She'd been mushroom hunting for years. She'd found porcinis the size of her head. But as it turned out, on that day in November, Donna made a mistake. And on the way home, it was, man, I cannot keep my head up. This is crazy. I must be coming down with something. After three days in bed, she got up, looked at herself in the mirror. And I saw that I was jaundiced. I was yellow. So she rushed to the hospital. 
they took one look at me and they, they wheeled me right upstairs immediately because they knew that this was not good. To understand why anyone would risk getting poisoned by wild mushrooms, I decided to go mushroom hunting in the same forest where Donna Davis got herself into trouble, Salt Point State Park in California's Sonoma Valley. I drive there with this guy named Patrick Hamilton. So if you knew me better at all, you'd really realize I have had a very colorful life. <laughs> Patrick's a self-taught mushroom expert, and he's been at it for decades. He's got a ponytail and a soul patch, and he became fascinated with mushrooms back in the 80s after smoking some really strong weed. I know more than they do. That's not a wild mushroom. I'm groovy. <laughs> These days, he teaches groups of beginners how to identify edible mushrooms. These are things that took me years to learn. <laughs> I mean years. There's a steady drizzle as about a dozen of us gather in the parking lot. And before Patrick teaches us what we should be looking for, he sends us off to pick any mushrooms we can find. Okay, just go. Look, see, do whatever you You see something fine, brand, okay? Mushrooms grow on the ground, they grow on trees. Did you guys find something? Yeah. Can I come talk to you about it? <laughs> Did you get it? That's so cool. I found a slimy mushroom. This thing is really gross. We think that it might be poisonous, whatever it is. This, I pulled off a bit of a tree. What's that? And I don't know what it is. Elijah, give me some of that weird stuff. Some of that weird stuff. I like the technical term. <laughs> After 15 minutes, we meet up to show what we've picked. And Patrick, he has us lay all the mushrooms out on a log. Most of them, he says, are inedible, especially this one that's poisonous. Yeah. Don't ever, ever eat a mushroom that looks like this growing out of wood. This is called a deadly gallerina. He tells us how to identify the three or four mushrooms we want to find today black trumpets, hedgehogs, candy caps, and chanterelles. And now that you know what they look like, nothing else looks like this, okay? So I don't need to see the And then he sends us off again. Only this time, we know what we're looking for. Only it's really hard. And I'm not the only one who can't find anything. But yeah, so how are, we getting, how are we not getting our eye in? What are we doing? Why are they finding mushrooms and you're not? Mm. Patrick isn't having it. He knows that our eyes just haven't adjusted yet. We're looking but our eyes don't know what to look for. So, go, so get on your hands and knees, for Christ's sake. And look up underneath them there, you guys. He points to some black trumpets that are right there, hidden under leaves. I saw that one right there. Oh, wow. And then that one. And then that one. They're that oh. hard to see. Oh, my gosh. It doesn't mean you're a failure. <laughs> <laughs> and it's weird because once Patrick points them out, it gets easier to spot them. Oh, look at this one. Wait, is that one? Or is it a... Yeah, that's Here, and here's a candy cap. So excited. <laughs> and right then is when Patrick says it's time for us to head back. Let's go! Just when we hit the mother load. I'm drenched by the rain. My pants are smeared with mud. But I'm crazed about doing this now. I just want more. As it turns out, there's a term for what happened to me in the woods in California. The scientists call it the pop-out effect. At first, you can't find mushrooms at all because they blend into the earth and leaves so perfectly. But then... All of a sudden, you see something peeking out from underneath the dead leaves and you're like, oh my God, is that what I think it is? 
and then you see one and then it's on games on you're like oh my god there's another one there's another one mushroom hunters like donna call this getting your eyes on it's like that moment of going from not seeing to seeing holy moly that's magical I used to work for National Geographic, so for years, I sent reporters all over the world to hang out with hunter-gatherer tribes. And when they got back, you know, their feet would be cut up and they'd be covered with insect bites. But they'd all tell me the same thing. Even though it's really hard living off the land, there is something deeply satisfying about finding your own food. And that just makes sense. I mean, our eyes are built to do this, to scour the ground for food. And every time we find something tasty, our brains give us this little chemical jolt. It's what foragers call mushroom fever. You get greedy, honestly. You get greedy. You find one, and you're like, oh my God, I gotta find some more. And I want more, and I want more. It can be an obsession. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened on that day in November 2014 when Donna and her boyfriend went mushroom hunting. They stuffed bags full of mushrooms, and they brought them back home to sort through. We didn't see anything unusual. There were some pieces there that didn't have the caps on it, so we tossed them out just to be safe. And um, felt we you know, had gone through them all and checked them and thought, okay, everything's good. The next day, Donna got ready to cook the mushrooms. Clean them, get all the dirt out of them. And she invited friends over for mushroom soup. The sautéed onions that were very, very soft and browned, and the chanterelles that had been cooked nicely. I think I'm going to put a little pinch of salt and garlic in it, and then a little bit of the uh, half and half. And I took that and I blended it, so it was a puree flavor that just poured out of it. The soup was... Delicious. It was so good, I had a second bowl. Three days later, Donna dragged herself out of bed, and when she looked in the mirror... I saw that I was jaundice. I was yellow, and I thought, okay. She rushed to the hospital. They took one look at me, and they, they wheeled me right upstairs. And the doctors asked her... Uh, what did you do? <laughs> they wanted to know what was going on. Donna told them she'd gone foraging and eaten some wild mushrooms, and the hospital had had an earlier patient who got poisoned and died. So um, they immediately started the procedure for extracting uh, poison from my body. And so did you ever think about the mushrooms before they mentioned it? No, not at all. Wasn't even on my mind. There's a good reason Donna didn't realize she'd been poisoned, because it took a while for her symptoms to appear. That delay was actually a clue. It suggested that Donna had probably eaten a mushroom called Amanita phylloides, or the death cap. Other mushrooms can poison you, make you so sick you might wish you were dead, but it's the death cap that's most likely to kill you, because its toxins work slowly. By the time you begin to feel really sick, it's got a head start on digesting your liver from the inside out. There are people that accidentally poison themselves with death caps just about every year. It happens. That's Kat Adams. She studies mycology at the University of California at Berkeley. 
She says the death cap is responsible for 90% of fatal mushroom poisonings worldwide. But despite its deadly reputation, Kat is enchanted by it. I think it's a really beautiful mushroom. It starts as a cute little button. And it grows up to be an elegant, mostly white mushroom that has gills underneath and a greenish tinge to its cap. This deadly mushroom's been spreading across North America, but it's especially plentiful in Northern California. And with so many amateurs now cooking up wild mushrooms in their risotto, the number of poisonings is going up. Because it's so common, it smells good, it tastes good, apparently. I've read a lot of reports of people that have been poisoned, and unanimously people report that it was a very delicious mushroom, even as they're dying. (laughs) Kat says the death cap is actually pretty distinctive looking, so it's not all that easy to confuse for something else. But people make mistakes. There's a couple different reasons I think people might get it mixed up. Um, Some of that is that it can grow intermixed with other actual edibles. And so if you're not paying really close attention as you harvest things, you might accidentally slip one in your basket. And if that's the case, like one is enough to kill you, right? And so the the deadliness of it makes minor mistakes much more um, much more dangerous. Well, so do you think that's a, a, a worry for people who go out mushroom hunting? I mean, in the sense that there's this deadly poisonous mushroom everywhere, yes. The whole episode of being in the hospital is another, like, Alice in Wonderland story in and of itself. Once doctors realized Donna had likely been poisoned by a death cat, they asked her more questions. Like, do you have a will? You need one now. Are you, do you understand what it's like to have a liver transplant? Donna was in bad shape. She was throwing up the charcoal doctors had given her to extract the poison. Enzyme levels showed her liver was failing. And then Donna started to hallucinate. For some reason, I'm seeing this path. It's like I could look down the ground. There's like pebbles, clear, clear pebbles, crisp, and, and a canopy of trees. And I could see the leaves and the veins and the bark. And as I walked down the path, it was completely pitch black. And I thought, OK, I'm not going there. I get this. I'm not, I'm not going to die, you know. Because of how badly she was doing, her doctor told her she was at the top of the liver transplant list, which has more than 14,000 people waiting on it. But when a liver became available, she said no. And they were just like, this lady is crazy, she must be high. But Donna was right. Though her enzyme levels stayed dangerously high for several days, on her fifth day in ICU, her levels came way down. Her liver started to regenerate. And so is your liver damaged as a result, partially, or is there lingering damage? No, it's a full recovery. It's kind of unbelievable, you know, it's rare. When Donna's poisoning became public, the mushroom hunting community was not exactly sympathetic. On Reddit, people were like, This lady doesn't know her elbow from her ass. She hasn't bothered to learn to identify the number one deadly mushroom. If you know what you're doing, you can never make that mistake. Patrick, the guy who took me mushroom hunting, he cites this old adage. There are old mushroom hunters and there are bold mushroom hunters, but there are no old bold 
mushroom hunters. In other words, experienced mushroom hunters don't accidentally eat deadly mushrooms. But I disagree with that. That's Cat Adams again, the death cap expert. I've read like every paper there is about the death cap. Cat's done a review of the literature on death cap poisoning, and she says even super experienced mushroom hunters can make mistakes. There are instances of people having collected mushrooms from the forest for years and years and years, and in their later years, accidentally getting poisoned and dying. I think sometimes a lot of people that, that do mushroom hunting are scornful towards those that get poisoned as a way to sort of make themselves feel better. But I think that really this could happen to anyone. Really, we should see them as examples of the fact that what we do is inherently a little dangerous and that we have to stay vigilant always. And so I think that people should have compassion for someone that makes that mistake. Donna where she thinks she went wrong that day she got poisoned. And she told me it's hard to say. But she figures she must have accidentally slipped a death cap into her bag of hedgehog mushrooms. And while it's remarkable that she survived, it's maybe more remarkable that even though her boyfriend and several friends also ate the mushroom soup that night, she was the only one who got sick. That's because she actually made two batches of soup, one with chanterelles the other with only hedgehogs. Lo and behold, I was the one who ate the soup that had the poisonous mushroom. Thank God, I kept on thinking, thank God they didn't have the same soup I had. Thank God. Donna says her mistake was that she got overconfident, and that may have made her careless. So in hindsight, okay, what, what I would have done differently is if we had seen, you know, some of the stems without the caps would have thrown the whole batch out. So there would be no question. In the months after her mushroom poisoning, as doctors monitored her liver, Donna developed a separate blood infection, what's called sepsis. And once again, it was a close call. And when months later, she broke her ankle in a motorcycle accident. So did this experience have an effect on the way you're living your life now? Absolutely. When things like this happen to you in your life, it's a really very potent opportunity for you to look at that, you know, and ask yourself a lot of questions. Is this what, is this really how I want to live my life? You know, do I really want to work 80 hours a week? See, the irony is that Donna had made this career switch to do what she loves, to be a life coach, only to realize she'd gotten too caught up in someone else's idea of what that was supposed to look like. I was following somebody else's footprint, what a coach looks like. You know, I'm going to market just like a gazillion other people are marketing themselves. And, the, and like within that, I didn't feel like I was being honest with myself because that's not me, that's not who I am, that's not how I represent myself. It was like she was trying to prove something. I'm running and I'm running and I'm running and I'm running. If I'm not running somewhere, it means that I'm not productive. It means that I'm not worthy. You know, it's all these things that came up for me that were really hard to look at, frankly. Since then, she's made changes in her life. I don't run so fast. And because of that, the experiences that I'm having now are so much deeper and richer. 
But what hasn't changed? So you still yeah. forage mushrooms? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh my God, really? Yeah, yeah I do. But that, I have to say that like kind of surprises me that you would continue to do it after, after this. You know, you make your decisions, how you want to live your life. Do you want to live your life in fear? Yes, there were things that I did learn from that, absolutely. But is it going to stop me from ever eating mushrooms again? No, I don't choose to live my life that way. There is one thing she's changed when it comes to mushrooms. Even now, I'm not cooking mushrooms for other people. You know, that's the other thing. I'm I'm not doing that. Given that close call, I'm struggling to understand why she'd still want to go mushroom hunting. I mean, because you could buy mushrooms at the store. You don't have to go get them in the forest. Yeah, that's true, but it's a whole experience. Why would I rob myself of that experience? I think on a deep level, it's a connection to the earth. It's a, a connection to a deeper knowledge that we used to have and we've lost. How often do we look up at the stars or even the birds that are flying around the tree? What kind of birds are there? What kind of plants are around you where you live? Uh, I think people have really lost knowledge of that and they're trying to reconnect to it. When it comes to taking risks, we have two choices. One is to avoid the risky experience altogether. The other is to develop the skills and knowledge that help lessen risk. Even Kat Adams, who knows more than most about the dangers of the death cat mushroom, she loves the thrill of hunting for mushrooms. But it certainly hasn't kept me from hunting mushrooms because it's really fun. This is exploring that you get to do in real life and you find things that are cool and then you get to eat them. Kat recently broke her leg in two places just trying to get to an especially good mushroom spot. And so I was I was taking a lot of You broke your rides. leg? You broke I broke my leg walk. hunting mushrooms. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, that's probably huh. relevant for your story, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there, there are definitely risks. When Donna told me about her poisoning, I thought of how I'd feel if I were in her place. Well, so when they told you, we think this is mushroom poisoning, what, did, what went through your head? This is going to be interesting. This is going to be interesting. I think I would be terrified under those circumstances. But that wasn't her reaction. Sounds like you weren't scared. No, I wasn't. Not at all. If your goal is to feel truly alive, maybe it's better to listen to your curiosity, not your fear. To tune out the critics, whether on Reddit or in our own heads, and realize that it's okay to make mistakes. Did you ever just like feel like, oh my God, how could I have been so stupid? No, I didn't. I never felt that way. It was just something that happened. This episode of Midway was adapted from a story I produced for a podcast called Outside In. It's a show from New Hampshire Public Radio about the natural world and how we use it. It's a really great show, so if you're interested in the outdoors, I think you should definitely check it out on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I want to thank Sam Evans-Brown and Taylor Quimby and the whole amazing team at Outside In for their help in producing this story. Music for the episode is courtesy of Poddington Bear and Blue Dot Sessions. I'll be talking to you in the next episode. Till then, take care.